Hey, you're listening to the Burnt Out Entrepreneur Podcast, where you'll learn why you're feeling so burnt out, some insights and hacks to get you along this entrepreneurial journey. I'm Kylie Yotel, former oil and gas manager, turned health coach, life coach, and business mentor for female entrepreneurs just like you and help them heal and recover from burnout. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Burnt Out Entrepreneur. Today, we're talking all about grief and burnout. So a little backstory on why I'm specifically talking about this is I just lost my best friend about a week ago at the time of this recording. And as I was processing my grief, I was looking at burnout and how I processed grief in the past with other storms that I had been through compared to how I process this grief now. And I realized there were a lot of big differences in how I was handling myself now and in other past stages of grief. And I wanted to share those insights with you today. So first of all, what I want to start off with are some misconceptions about grief. So a couple of things, right? Like, because there are the five stages of grief, right? We think that grief has a specific timeline and we think that we go through each of these stages, right? Anger, denial, like all the different stages in order. But the truth of the matter is we can be going through different stages of grief at different times in not in the exact order that they say we're supposed to go because Right. We might get a trigger here. We might get like some laughter here because there's a happy memory. So with my friend, like she and I were super fun and her other BFF, she's super fun too. So like we're texting each other happy memories. We're laughing. I mean, of course we're sad, but we're remembering the good times. And my friend actually died of cancer and it was a very aggressive type of cancer. She was diagnosed when it was already in stage four and it's a very aggressive type, type three. And it just kind of went from her endometrial area, metastasized into her lungs and went into her lymphs, her brain, it kind of just went everywhere. And, you know, as the disease progressed, one, that's why I'm saying like grief is different. So this type of grief, it, you know, had she died in a car accident, right, it would have been totally different. Like a sudden loss is very different from this like extended grieving. Like we were able to grieve her while she was still alive. And I was able to process, you know, my, I was able to say some last words to her and those things, you know, and but if you have lost someone very suddenly, right, the grief will just the grief and the loss will just come and hit you all at once. And then you're left with, you know, unfinished business at times. And that can also be a trigger. You know, the words that you didn't say, um, the feelings you never got to express, whether it's forgiveness, love, whatever you needed to express to this person before they passed, right? There's there's a lot of that that happens as well with the, the, a sudden loss. So, Again, 
I was able to process my grief very differently in the season, but because of all the work that I've been doing on myself, the work that I've been doing with clients, identifying triggers, understanding emotions, understanding their personality types and how each person reacts to certain things, right? We're going to get deeper. You know, I'm going to always talk about archetypes on this channel. So we're going to be talking about the archetypes as well, but that's what I wanted to say, right? Grief doesn't have a specific timeline. And also like another misconception that grief only happens after a loss. There are so many other types of grief today. I'm specifically going to be talking about loss because that's what's applicable to me. Or we can grieve so many things. Um, and, and well, and there's also different kinds of losses. You're going to hear on the next episode, Amy and I did a um a pop-up on grief and money and how you know our spending and how we view money when it comes to grief when we're we're dealing with loss and how all of that's affected um but right she explained a different type of grief that she went through um and then the third misconception i just want to bring to our attention today is that grief should be hidden or suppressed you know, I've said this before that our emotions are like a basketball, That, especially if you're trying to hold a basketball underwater. I don't know if you've done it like in a swimming pool when we were kids growing up, right? You just try to hold a basketball or a balloon underwater, right? The, the harder, the, the, the more force you're pushing down on it, right? The opposite, right, force is compelling it to pop back up. So when we don't process our emotions, that's when we are in this state of like, um, that's where burnout can happen. So I was in that state for a lot of years before I was diagnosed with burnout. And if you don't know the whole story, I'll give the brief scenario here. I um, was I was asked by my husband to go get checked at the doctor because he said, something's wrong with you. At this point, I think we had been married about a year and we were living together. And he's like, well, you're falling asleep all over the place. We'd go to the movies, we'd go to dinner. And I'd be like, when we got back in the car, or even like in the movies where it's so dark and I just fall asleep. And his love language is quality time. So me falling asleep on a date or like even in the car ride on the way home, he he was like, what's up with that? And he's like, you know, it, it was starting to affect our relationship. So he said, you know what, you should go get checked. Went to the doctor. That's when I found out that I had the burnout diagnosis. But as I was going through, like learning about burning burnout, learning about the different stages of burnout, right? There's stage one, stage two. Stage three is when you have um, start having hormonal imbalances, especially for us females in our um, our female hormones, and that that part of our chemistry really starts to go out of whack. And I was getting headaches because I had low progesterone, well migraines actually, and my doctor had explained to me when your progesterone goes below this certain level then that's what triggers the migraines that you're having. So he had put me on hormone replacement therapy and I was only 32 years old. So here I was um, 
using it was bioidentical hormones which you know are not synthetic right they're supposed to be better for your body but it it, it was just messing with me because and I'm the type of person that I I I was on birth control and it just messed with my system my body's super sensitive to different chemicals and things so being on the bioidentical hormones didn't really do what I wanted it to do. I had tried, you know, birth control with hormones in it to, to help with my cycle, all different kinds of things. Um, and I, I just wanted to add that as well. My friend had cancer in the endometrial area and right, we we both had very bad periods. And so that's another reason why it wasn't diagnosed at first because she thought it was normal to have pain in that area, right? And raise your hand if you have pain during your your monthly period. And so she didn't realize that the pain was coming from something other than her normal menstrual cycle. And by the time they discovered it, it was a constant pain. It wasn't fluctuating anymore. It was constant pain. She couldn't walk. And the tumor was about the size of an avocado. Like that's this big, I guess, for those of you who are watching on YouTube. And to have something that big, it's pretty scary. So um, anyway, back to what we're talking about, the different types of myths that come with grief. And when we try to hide or suppress our emotions, that's when we start to have things happen to our body. So um, when I was hiding my pain, when I hadn't processed my divorce, and if you want to read about that, I have a book on Amazon. It's called More Than This look up my name, Kyliota, you probably find it there. But it's the story in a fictional form of my relationship with um, like my past relationships, I kind of made it into one relationship, but it's it's just a blend of a lot of narcissistic partners that I've had, I pulled different aspects of their personalities, and I put them into one character so that no one's feelings will get hurt. None of my exes can come back and say, hey, you were talking about me. It's like, no, actually, it's a blend of different relationships that I had been in. So all of that to say, there was a lot of storms that I had been through in my life with me, particularly the kids as well. You know, there was just a lot of hurt and suffering that we had gone through and I realized as I was re doing more research on burnout that the emotional and the mental stress that I had been under for so many years had also impacted my hormones. And at stage three, like I had at 32, I um I wasn't married anymore. I was in my my like my 10 year hiatus between <laughs> marriages, but like my body was already showing signs of burnout, but I didn't realize it. Not until I got into stage four, by the time I was diagnosed, my cortisol levels were near zero. And like once your cortisol 
gives out, like that's the last hormone to actually give out, you're, you're in stage four. So, and I know we talked about cancer, which has stages and burnout, which also has four stages. So not trying to confuse anyone, but we're talking about two different things there. So all of that to say, unprocessed emotions is one of the leading causes of burnout. And right, and it's often referred to as a silent epidemic. And like you've heard me talk about this before. Um, I was I I got my burnout diagnosis, and um, at the same time, one of my coworkers was also diagnosed with cancer. And of course, because cancer was way more prevalent at the time, and of of course, right, cancer is is life threatening, but burnout can also be life threatening. I just want to put that out there for those of you who don't think that burnout is a quote serious disease. Um, like once your cortisol gives out and it, you, you could be in bed, hospitalized, the whole thing. There's there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I've come across since my own diagnosis that have been hospitalized or bedridden because of burnout and they didn't know that that's what it was. So all of that to say, burnout is a can be almost as serious as cancer. But right, cancer and burnout are both silent diseases, right? My friend did not know that she had cancer and it was just growing inside of her. And even each time she would get an additional symptom, right? They would have to go in, scan her, and then tell her where the cancer was because you you couldn't see it from the outside. So, right, it's also a silent disease. So burnout is a silent epidemic of today's modern workplace, right? And, right, it's super complex. It involves emotional exhaustion, right? It involves reduced productivity. And it also, like, it steals our identity from us, right? When we're going through life and we become detached and we become, you know, just apathetic, to life, like not wanting to do anything, not caring about anything in our lives, right? It's borderline to depression and, and other things. So maybe I want to say like burnout is like the gateway drug. And because it hadn't been as prevalent before, you know, the pandemic and everything getting shut down, now we understand what burnout is, but it was so prevalent in the workplace even before the pandemic highlighted it to us. And of course, it's more prevalent in specific um, industries like nursing. And any shift, I was a shift worker for a lot of years, right, in the oil and gas field. So it was very prevalent. Once I knew the signs and symptoms, you know, I went back to work and I saw that other people around me had the same signs and symptoms that my doctor had highlighted to me were a problem. And I thought it was normal when I first got out. I was like, what are you talking about? That's normal. And of course it wasn't. And he really had to train, train me to see it and, and recognize when I was going down that rabbit hole in order to not slip and fall down completely again into 
full-blown burnout. Of course, from time to time, especially now as I'm dealing with grief and, you know, my sleep has been dysregulated, you know, I'm thinking so many different thoughts and I'm also helping to plan her celebration of life. So there's things that are happening that are um, interfering with my own ability to regulate but at the same time, we're going to go through it at the end, but there are things that I am doing that are having people say like, wow, like, you know, how are you? People want to empathize, sympathize with me. And I'm like, you know what? I am fine. And it's not one of those like, oh, I'm fine, but I'm just hiding it. You know, I check myself regularly and I'm like, I check in with myself. I said, am I doing one of these avoidance tactics? Hmm. No. I'm processing in the moment, I'm releasing in the moment, I'm allowing myself to cry, I'm allowing myself to feel happy, I'm allowing myself. Because sometimes right, when you lose a person, like you don't have permission to be happy because you're supposed to be sad. No, right? We allow ourselves to feel all of the emotions, process them right away so that it's not one of those things where you're left to to have to deal with that. So anyway, um, how grief and burnout are related, this is one exacerbates the other, right? If you are already burnt out and you add grief or loss on top of that, it only exacerbates and vice versa. If you are grieving, but yet um, so in, in the case of my friend's husband, right? He was up checking on her at the hospital, in and out of the hospital, you know, there was a lot and the rest of the family, right? There was a lot that they were doing. So, right. They already had the grief, right? Cause they were already grieving her while she was still here because the loss was at that point inevitable. So, right. They're dealing with the grief and then you have the burnout on top of that. So it's exacerbating each, either one exacerbates the other. So we need to address both when we're dealing with grief. If we're dealing with grief without looking at the burnout, that that's an issue. Because we're going to tap into the personality types now. And um, each personality type, right, deals with burnout differently. But now we're going to look at grief and burnout and how each personality type deals with grief. So I came up with these um, personas, if you may. And if you already know your archetype, I'm going to be talking about archetypes. Um, and the, the names that I came up with don't, don't, don't read too much into them. I wanted to make it very clear who these personas were so that you could see them in your mind as you're dealing with the grief and the burnout. So powerhouse, how grief and burnout intersect for these people, right? It's how they confront a loss or a setback because their drive for control and achievement leads to overextending themselves, which results in burnout on top of the grief like we talked about. And then while they're in grief, they also feel powerless and helpless. And if you know anything about this archetype, right, power and control is very important to them, 
And so the persona that I came up with is the Scrooge or the greedy bastard. <laughs> I quickly typed this out on social media and I thought I would bring it here to the podcast. So when, if you're not following me on social media, you should at Kylie.Ota, O-T-A at, um, on Instagram. Anyhow, um, so the Scrooge, right? He or she only thinks about himself and what he's entitled to. Well, this, this is actually money and grief, but he only thinks of himself and what he's entitled to. He really doesn't care if it alienates him from his family, right? Because to him, money is more important than maintaining relationships. So this is how a powerhouse would probably respond when someone dies, they're more concerned about the inheritance and how that's handled and um, how you can kind of counteract that and not let that be the primary response is, right? Learning how to take charge of your emotions and the situation. So one, just set clear goals, right? Because the powerhouse for you, you want to maintain a sense of control, right? That's it's going to make you feel normal, right? When you lose a person, right? Loss is also a loss of control. Like you can't control cancer. Like how would, how would we control the cancer? We, we couldn't, right? It's something that was just taking over her body. So in those instances where you feel like you're losing control or at a loss, right? One, set clear glow clear goals, establish clear objectives for your emotional journey and your healing process. I mean, you can set goals for your life too. If it gives you a sense of normalcy, go ahead and do that. I also have been functioning on my routines. Okay, what what's my normal routine? And I have a routines checklist on my phone. I have an iPhone, so I use the reminders app and I'm like, it really helps. I actually built those routines when I was working shift work and right swinging back and forth between nights and days. It really throws you off. So just having a normal morning routine, even though it's in the afternoon when I wake up, having a wake up routine and a sleep routine was really important for me to feel normal and still in control of things. So that's number one. And delegate. Powerhouse, you always need to delegate. And it's very difficult at this time in the season to delegate because maintaining control of the situation is what will make you feel stable. But delegating is probably your best bet because you are the strategizer, right? You like thinking of the the bigger picture. So having other people deal with the details and letting like yourself be kind of like the mastermind and delegating is going to give you more of a sense of control than having to do everything yourself. And this also gives you time to grieve. Because again, taking over, doing all the things is what will make you feel quote normal, but delegating so you can have time to grieve is key because I know a lot of powerhouses will avoid grieving because they are so busy doing and doing, 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 right? The last one, right? Seek support when you need to. 
the hardest thing for a powerhouse to do is to admit when they need help. But getting the support that you need in this time is really going to make everything easier and you're going to avoid burning out. Okay. And if you're embarrassed to talk to friends, right, go get professional help. Go get someone that you can trust that is a confidant that, you know, if you want to maintain a strong persona, I get it. So go hire someone. They don't have to know where you are. Just tell them you're going to the gym for an hour. They don't have to know what you're doing. Or you went driving. Like nobody has to know. Really, they don't. Um, so number two, the popular archetype, right? So how grief and burnout intersect for this person is relying, like how they rely on their social network for support, right? Because the popular archetype, they're really into other people. And the the cross for them is when they're trying to please others and maintain that happy, right? Because they're always the happy, bubbly type. Like, oh yeah, nothing's wrong. Um, but trying to maintain that while their soul is trying to grieve, one is causing cognitive dissonance and it's it's just um, your your feelings are at odds, right? And but that that is a downfall of the power of of the popular, right? They always try to put on a happy face, even though things are happening on the inside. And the other thing that they also struggle with is needing validation from others. And um, in this case, right, they want their feelings to be validated. We'll get more to that in a second. So the person, um, the persona that I created for this one is the spiritual hippie. Right, because the if we're diving deeper into the popular archetype, yes, yeah, she's popular, but she's also super intuitive. She's always thinking on a higher plane. Um, you know, it's about mindset, it's about happiness, things like that. So she cares more about the soul of a person and afterlife more than um, money or 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 people right she needs to know that you know that person who's departed that you know like making sure that their soul is taken care of and that the person passes easily from this life to the next so she's probably really big on like energy and like not disturbing the peace making sure that the person is released in a happy state um so again, that's why even though she's grieving, she may be trying to maintain happiness because she believes in the power of the energy and uh, the emotional energy even, right? So um, just looking at my notes here real quick. Oh, right. So she needs to find the balance between... Um, you know, being social and right needing that connection with other people in order to grieve, right? She wants to grieve with other people as opposed to like the introverted griever who wants to grieve separately. Um, but also like seeking that social support and 
not knowing when to pull back when she does need to be an introvert. She does want to do her own internal processing. So a couple of things, right? Leaning on supportive connections, right? Connecting with everyone in the season is not the business, right? You have to find those people that will support you, that won't just add to your mess. I've, I've had to do that in this season. I really have. And, um, you know, um, learning who I can share it with and who will just like put more on my plate because their empathy is going to want to, um, like their emotions are going to want to pile up on me and like how they feel about death, how they feel about grief would want to pile up on me. And so I really had to pick and choose who I let into that inner sanctum, so to speak. And again, right, setting the boundaries, knowing who to talk to, who not to talk to, but even um, physical boundaries, like who I'm going to hang out with, like who is going to share my energetic space. Because even being around people who kind of rub you the wrong way, um, because this personality type is more intuitive like you you're a highly sensitive person you feel other people's energy so being around people with the right energy is really important so you need to know how to set those boundaries pems we've talked about pems right physical emotional mental and spiritual boundaries you have to set those up and then the last one is self-validation right we need to learn how to practice self-validation how to validate our own feelings on our own because uh, the popular archetype is very used to the bouncing ideas off of other people, um, having other people validate her ideas, her feelings, her thoughts. Um, and she's very shaped by her surroundings. So cultivating self-expression, self-evaluation is very important. And so, yeah. The philanthropist, right, third one, and how that intersection of grief and burnout looks like is they need to prioritize stability and harmony, right? This person, um, right, they love helping others. They love, this is a very supportive archetype. So they need really need to be stable in order to really be um, aligned with their personality type. They love supporting, right? But in order to have the energy to support other people, they need their own stability and harmony within themselves. So it's similar to the uh, popular archetype that we just talked about. But um, the main difference is like, like, she's intuitive and whatever, but she's more of an introvert versus an extrovert as like the popular. Okay. Um, and this person really needs to maintain routines and stay grounded. Um, and for her, helping others can lead to neglecting her own needs, which will result in burnout. And when you combine that with grief, um, they also tend to focus on creating a sense of security and how they find security is in helping others. So it's like this vicious cycle. So the persona that I made up for this one is just the nice one because that's that's who she is. 
and she will do whatever to keep the peace. Um, in the social media post that I'm referencing, it was about financials. So I, I just said, because I was doing it in relationship to the, the greedy bastard or the Scrooge, right? So the nice one will give uncle so-and-so, uncle Scrooge, whatever he wants to keep the peace. Like if he wants the car, if he wants 100% of the inheritance of the house, whatever, she will just sign it over because her main objective is to keep peace within the family. And maintaining a good relationship with her brother is way more important to her than owning the house or, or keeping her half of the house. Right? Because for her, people and relationships are more important than the money. So some of the things that she needs to be careful of, right? She needs to honor her nurturing tendencies while still protecting her own well-being because she loves giving, she loves serving. So yes, it's in her nature to serve, but at the same time, she needs to know when to pull back. So first step for her to to really do this is create personal routines, right? Establish routines like I'm doing that, like I already said before, I'm establishing um, routines and that helps to keep me sane, helps to keep me grounded and like even self-care practices. So I schedule a massage and which would seem selfish to people who are, especially this archetype who's all about supporting others. I was like, nope. Um, like I understand how negative emotions can kind of pile up in your body and cause damage because um, I have this this thing in my shoulder that kind of popped up when I was going through a hard season last year and I'm still going to the doctor or the chiropractor to help get out. Like there's this huge knot back here and we're we're working on it, but you know, Grief, loss, negative emotions can manifest into physical symptoms. So we really need to be careful about that. Um, the second way that she can really take care of herself is to express what she needs. She's right. She's the nice one. She's always giving. She's always helping others. But in this time when you're dealing with grief, you need to express what you want you know, and it's really difficult because so many people around you have needs like, oh, they need that. They need that because, right, you're seeing all the needs of the people around you. But it's very important to tell other people what you need in the process because everyone's in their own bubble. They're dealing with their own pain. You, you know, you really need to be more vocal about expressing your needs so that you don't lash out, right? You're not going to get resentful at people because it's like, hey, all of this pent up emotion is going to start building up if it's not expressed. And right, like I said, with the basketball, if you shove it down and it wants to pop up, it is going to pop up very explosively and you want to avoid that. You really want to avoid that. So um, the last one is balancing helping yourself while you're helping others, right? It's just finding that balance. 
okay, I need a, I need a self-care day. Oh, okay, no, I have energy today. I can help. I can do this thing for you, right? Just understanding your own energy levels and, you know, inside of the program, I have an energy tracker where I have my clients track their energy and what they're doing at specific points of the day. It's kind of like a, just a, a self check-in, like what is my energy level? And we go through the PEMS, right? Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, because it's not always physical burnout that or physical energy that we're tracking, but physical is the last one to be depleted when our you know spiritual mental and emotional sides are being taxed and in grief it's a big emotional taxing right so the last one last but not least i love you <laughs> the perfectionists and where grief and burnout intersect for you guys is when you methodically start to analyze your emotions and your pursuit of perfectionism can contribute to burnout because you have unrealistically high standards on the norm, right? But if we're playing into our archetypes, so I forgot to add this earlier, right? When we are hurt or injured, more so we will, you know, go to where it's safe and our safety really is in being our true selves, being in our true na nature, right? Um, when like say you have a rock in your shoe, you become grumpy, you become like it just kind of exacerbates your natural reaction to pain. Right? Um, and how you handle pain. Um, so um the perfectionist, right, has naturally unrealistically high standards, but in these situations, when you apply pain, they're it'll be higher than normal. And also um, because they try to understand everything, they try to logically figure out what's going on. There's a process to everything. So they're probably analyzing, okay, which stage of grief am I in? Am I, oh, am I angry right now? Hmm. Or do I feel sad? Huh? Or am I in denial? Like, do I not know? You know, like they're very analytical when it comes to processing their emotions. So they will go through that. And the persona that I that I made up for this one is the executor. So it's, it's not no, nothing bad, but she is the executor of the will. Like, she is probably the person that, you know, whoever chose to be the executor of the will. Right, because you're the most responsible amongst all your siblings, and you are the one that is going to make sure the wishes are taken care of. So, with my friend, she chose one of her daughters to be the executor of um, the celebration of life service because she's very good at planning and she's very meticulous about decor and. So, right, she was the one that my friend put in charge of taking care of the celebration of life. And with the perfectionist archetype, right, she cares more about details and getting everything right because following the rules is how you're properly honoring that person's legacy. So um, some of the things that you can do for yourself as a perfectionist is one, Set realistic expectations. Like I said before, 
when you apply pain, your natural tendency gets exacerbated. So naturally high standards become unrealistically high standards. So you need to kind of tone it down a notch and look at what is realistic at this time, especially as you're dealing with grief, you're processing a lot of different emotions. How much can you realistically handle at this time? So, right, you have to figure that out. And right, you need to embrace the processing of emotions, which for you on the normal is kind of difficult. Like you're not used to, to it. You're uncomfortable. It, this is opposite of the popular archetype, right? The popular is all into intuitive, like the flow and the energy really like diving deep into that part of them. For you, the perfectionist, it's mostly about logically figuring things out, right? And the logical and the emotional are on opposite sides, right? So really embracing this emotional processing piece is going to help you so much because the more you process in the moment is less that you're so I'm, I'm appealing to your logical side now right the more you process in the moment the easier it will be right it's more efficient I'm using your buzzwords. It's more efficient if you deal with it now than squish it down and deal with it later. Because, right, the more you squish it down, it's like the emotions will stick together. It's kind of like an avalanche. All the emotions will stick together. And as they start snowballing and getting bigger, then you're going to have to, it's like a pile of papers, right? You deal with one paper at a time as they come in, easy peasy. But with if you do the same thing with your emotions, you're dealing with one at a time. But if you wait and let everything pile up, it's going to be such a bigger chore. So really embrace the feeling as they come. Sitting in the car, driving in traffic, a song comes on the radio, makes you feel like crying. Shed, shed a tear or two. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a huge expression of emotion, but allow it to come out of you, process it in the moment. And just like mail, just like clutter, processing in the moment is going to be easier in the long run. And again, delegation for you is also important. And especially when you're trying to execute the things that the person wanted you to handle right you're like well i want to honor this person's legacy so i know how to do it right and it's like you're you're giving of yourself in these last moments to this process and you know um but it's okay if it's not perfect right and learning how to delegate i'm going to tell you the same thing that i told the powerhouse let other people do the work and you can just monitor it. You can, you know, give feedback and just say, hey, you know, let them do the bulk of it. Maybe if this appeals to you, let them do the bulk of it and kind of monitor their stuff and kind of maybe take it back at the end and just do the final touches, spruce it up a little bit. They can do a lot of the legwork themselves, okay? But and this is even for your business, right? They can do a lot, of, like you can delegate more to your virtual assistant 
and just kind of spot check along the way, give feedback. And this may be a growing season for you where things that you haven't really released to your team, like you don't have the capacity right now, just understand, yes, I know you're used to, to doing all the things, but right now you need to understand you're at a diminished capacity because it's just like a CPU, right? Just like your computer. You're processing a lot of things behind the scenes. You don't have the same amount of bandwidth to do all the things that you normally would do because this part of your brain is processing grief. It's processing all these different things. So delegate with oversight and then, you know, just put the final touches on to make your little perfectionist heart happy that it looks you know, it's to your standard, but you didn't do the bulk of the legwork. Okay. So all of that to say, we, we did a lot of talking about the different archetypes and how they respond and how you can really incorporate self-care along with your natural tendencies, understanding your natural tendencies and how each person will deal with grief and also how to shore that up with delegation and, and other things that we talked about. So I hope you guys learned something today. And just to let you know, I'm also hosting a masterclass that'll go into much more detail than this, but it's called Sanity in the Storm. And I'm going to teach you all about, you know, yourself and how you naturally respond to your stressors based on your personality type, which we did here, but I'm going to dive deeper and give you more coping strategies according to your, your archetype. And we're going to do some kind of like workshopping it. Like here, you're just listening to me talk on in the masterclass. We're going to be workshopping some things, doing some journaling exercises. So we're going to just dive deeper into what you learned here today. Right. And also, I'm going to dive deeper into how you relate to others who are in the storm with you so that you're less triggered in the moment. Um, and three, last but not least, how to deal with future storms, how to improve your resiliency so that these kinds of things don't take you out, right? Which with each storm, we do grow, but with knowledge, there's power. So you're going to get the knowledge you need to really take care and handle um, the storms that come with a much greater level of resiliency because I know a thing or two about resiliency I've dealt with a lot of storms like I mentioned my ex-husband um I I'm the oldest um grandchild great-grandchild so I've dealt with a lot of death you know I've seen a lot of my older um relatives pass and had to deal with a lot of funerals like I've I've done a lot of funeral planning is really weird but um so just dealing with a lot of storms personally and professionally and now that I've paired those learnings with everything that I understand about the archetypes and burnout I'm I'm so excited about this master class it's like I've had master classes before and but this is the one that I am most proud about and if you want to join that just join the Facebook group. I'm going to leave the link in the comments. And um, by the time you probably listen to this episode, 
masterclass will have been completed, but I'm going to leave the masterclass up in the Facebook group. So click the link. You can join the Facebook group. I'll pin it to the top and you guys can watch it and, and glean whatever you need to glean from that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today. And thank you for being a listener of the Burnt Out Entrepreneur podcast. I wouldn't be here without you. And in this season of loss and just understanding, um, you know, we never know what we have until it's gone. And I just want to let you know, I really appreciate you for listening and being here as part of my um, online family. So I will see you guys again next time for a special episode on grief and money. It's going to be so good with uh, my money coach, Amy Circa. And we're talking all about what happens with money and when you're grieving and the different. Anyway, it's going to be so good. Don't want to leave any spoilers. You'll get that episode next week and I'll see you guys again soon. Okay. Bye. Did you enjoy this episode? Want more? Here are a few ways to go deeper. Number one, discover your burnout archetype. You always hear me talking about this on each and every single episode. So get ready to crack the code on your personal burnout style. Take the quiz, go to burnedoutarchetypequiz.com and open up your mind to explore new ways on how to manage stress and conquer challenges according to your personality type. Number two, work with me. I will be your personal burnout recovery coach because we're not just talking about change. We're talking about a seismic shift in the way that you conquer your entrepreneurial domain. So strap in and let's embark on a roller coaster ride to reclaim your life and your success. In my coaching program, we're blasting through barriers, including number one, building better boundaries. Right, We're going to stop those energy vampires and establish unbreakable boundaries to fortify your work-life equilibrium. Number two, reclaim your energy. Say goodbye to fatigue and hello to a turbo boost of vitality. Discover the secrets to replenishing your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual energy, my specific PEMS framework. And this is more than stress management, okay? We're going to wrestle stress to the ground and make it tap out. Every setback is a setup for an epic comeback. And you're going to become a goal-getting machine. We're going to fuse your personal and professional aspirations into a powerhouse of purpose. Say hello to a life that's not just lived, but thrived. Okay, so hold on to your hats. This is not just coaching. It's a revolution of the soul. This entrepreneurial world is not a lonely one when you've got a relentless ally like me in your corner. So it's time to crank up the volume and get ready to hustle with heart. Keep the fire alive. Keep smashing those goals. And don't forget, I'm your partner in this electrifying journey. P.S. Let's flame the faints of connection. Catch up with me on the socials. You'll find my LinkedIn, my Instagram, my Facebook, and a link to my Facebook group for more exclusive content in the show notes. We'll see you there.